Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. In this podcast, we're going to cover the sixth and seventh levels of victory described in 1 John chapter 5. Level 6 victory is when you get to know Jesus so well that your heart stops wandering off away from him. You stop doubting that he saved you or that he loves you. You don't go by how you feel anymore and you begin to live your life based on what you know. What a freeing thing it is to escape how you feel from day to day and begin to live securely and confidently in your relationship with Jesus, knowing him deeply. The final level of victory that we'll look at is when you begin to understand what your idol loves are, the idols that addict you and enslave you and trap you. You have the victory to overthrow your idols so that Jesus can take the throne of your life so that you can finally have peace and hope and true happiness. So listen in as we discover level six and seven of victory. Jump on there and listen to these these, uh, other two messages um, so that you can get caught up. But we're going to go ahead and launch into this, Seven Levels of Victory, Part 3. And I'm going to really quickly go over uh, the the first five that we covered uh, the last two Sundays. The first one, and all of this is found in 1 John 5. The first uh, level of victory is in verse 4 of 1 John 5. It says, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Level one victory begins when you're born again, when you're born again. And I'm not going to rehash everything there, but that is a powerful, transforming, eternal victory that you can have. But you don't want to stop there. There's higher levels of victory. In fact, the Bible speaks of the, the fact that we go of de- from degree to degree of glory. We go from degree to degree of grace. So don't get overly content with where you are as a Christian. Look for a higher level of victory, all right? Here's level two victory found in verses 5, 7, and 8 of 1 John 5. Uh, Those read, who, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? It's the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And in verse 7, it says there's three witnesses to this fact, the spirit, the water, and the blood. So level two victory is when you start accepting God's testimony, in other words, what he's telling you, what he's whispering in your ear over what other people say, or what you see in other people's life experiences, or what you even think yourself. You start listening to God over every other input that comes from this world, from your environment, from those around you. That's level two victory. Level three victory is found in verse 11 of 1 John chapter 5. It says the testimony is this, God has given us eternal life. We already possess it and this life is in his son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal companionship with him. So level three victory is it happens when you realize your eternal life makes you a fearless person. You have eternal life. There's no reason to ever be scared again, to ever be worried again, to ever give in to panics or phobias ever again. You have eternal life. You are a fearless person. That's level three victory. 
All right, then we get in, we got into level four, which is found in verse 14 and 15 of 1 John 5. It says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, and we found out that his will is just simply what God wants, that when we find out what God wants, that he hears us. If we're praying according to what God wants, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears us and he listens to whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we, that he, excuse me, that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked from him. What is that verse saying that says, level four victory is that you, when you finally know what God wants, he's gonna give you unshakable confidence when you pray. How would it feel like to you to be able to pray and know that God is gonna answer your prayer? That's level four victory because you start praying the way God wants. And let me give you a little secret, a little tip. What I've been praying this week, I've been saying, God, you put your desires in my heart. Okay, I don't care to have my own desires anymore. They exhaust me. They wear me out. They, they drain me dry. God, just give me your desires. And the thing is, is when he starts giving us his desires into our hearts, we start praying that way. I tell you what, something shocking and amazing happens. Our prayers start being answered. And so we pray, God, give me your desires. I'm tired of my own. I'm tired of my own pursuits. All right, verse 16 is level five victory. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not lead to death, he will pray and ask on that believer's behalf and God will, uh, for, uh, will give him life to those whose sin is not leading to death. Level five victory comes when you realize your sin as a Christian does not lead you to death. It does not lead you to condemnation. It does not lead you to shame. That's level five victory. And as we learned last week, when you, uh, when, when God's grace meets with your repentance, that's a match made in heaven. <laughs> your sin, that's how your sin does not lead you to death anymore, is God's, through God's grace. God's grace. His blood cleanses you from all righteousness, un unrighteousness and gives you times of refreshing. Level five victory is when you realize your sin as a Christian does not lead you to death. So now we can jump into level six and seven for this Sunday and finish up on this topic of victory. All right, in verse 19 of 1 John 5, in the Amplified Version, it says, we know. And I want you to check this out. There's five things in verses 19 and 20 that we know or we should know okay so listen list let's list them out and then let's study them carefully we know for a fact that we are of God number one we know we're of God and we're gonna talk about that here in a second number two we know the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one that's the second thing that we know as we lead up to level six victory all right Verse 20, and we have seen and know by personal experience that the Son of God has actually come to this world. That's number three. We know that Jesus has come to this world. We continue on. And has given us understanding and insight 
so that we may progressively and personally know him who is true. Number four, we know Jesus. We know Jesus. You know Jesus. You wouldn't be on this call if you didn't have some level of knowledge of who Jesus is. Not just about him, but knowing, knowing him personally as a, in, in a relationship, a personal, spiritual, deep relationship with Jesus. All right? You know him. And number five, we are in him who is true. You not only know Jesus, you are in Jesus. And that's a vital doctrine of the Bible that all Christians should become very, very much aware of. We talk about Jesus living in our heart, and that's important, it's vital, it's super important. But we also need to realize we are in Jesus. Jesus is in us, and we are in Jesus. And it continues on, um, in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God, and this is the true God and eternal life. So level six victory is this. Listen carefully. Level six victory is when you know Jesus so well that your heart stops wandering off from him. You know Jesus so well that your heart stops wandering away from Jesus. Now, let me give an example. I know, and I'm very thankful for this, that my wife Tina loves me. I don't need to feel her love. I just know she loves me. I simply know it, and this is such a powerful knowledge, because let me, let me share with you what this does for me emotionally, all right? It provides me security and confidence. I just know she loves me. I don't have to come home worried, does my wife love me, does she not love me? No, I just know it. So I have security and confidence. It frees me up to focus on the things that I need to do, because I'm not so worried about, uh, about this basic fundamental need that I have to be loved. It also allows me to be myself. I don't have to be pretend like I'm someone else and compare myself to other people because she loves me for who I am and I don't have much insecurity as a result. Uh, my heart, listen to this, this is so powerful because I know that she loves me, my heart doesn't go wandering off after you know the finding, trying to find love from someone else because I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm confident, I'm secure in her love. So this, this level victory six, this, uh, this level six victory is to know Jesus deeply, to know that he loves you deeply, and to also know a few of these other things that we've mentioned. In fact, there's five in total that we're gonna kind of walk through. But, but real quick, just before we start into this, how can you get to this level of knowledge so that your heart starts stops wandering off in other directions? Well, Romans 8:38 as I was doing my devotions this week struck me. And it says, it says, "For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ our Lord or Christ Jesus our Lord I am persuaded how can we get to this level of knowledge so that our heart stays firmly anchored in Christ Jesus we need to be persuaded <laughs> And Jesus, thankfully, is the best salesman in the universe. He convinces. He persuades. The Holy Spirit constantly is trying to convince us 
of who God really is. You know, I was listening to a podcast by Tim Keller this this week, as was my family. And, you know, people come up and say, well, I think Jesus is this, or I think God is that. And God is standing there perplexed saying, I don't care who you think I am. I am who I say I am. <laughs> and he, he persuades us that he is the God of the Bible, whose son is Jesus Christ, the one and only true almighty God. That's who God is. Just read your Bible. You'll find out who God is and then try to know him more and more so that your heart stops wandering away from him. So level six victory is when God finally persuades you and you know him deeply. You know him deeply. Am I there? Absolutely not. But I want to get there. Are you there? I highly doubt it. We need to continue to grow. That's why the Bible says this. Grow in the knowledge and in the grace of God. Let's grow in our knowledge, our experiential, relational knowledge with Jesus. So uh, the, 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 this, the scripture says first, the, the first statement is to know that I am of God. I need to know that I'm of God. And, and most versions say that to know that I'm a son of God. But let's just pause here and focus in on how the Amplified reads here. I am of God. You know what? Whenever I know I'm of God, I have no more doubts about my salvation because I'm of God. I have no more doubts about my future or my eternity or of my unbreakable spiritual association with my Father. I have no more doubts because I'm of God. You see, and see, I'm, I'm connected to God, uh, as would a vine be connected, or a branch would be connected to the vine, or a member of, a, a, of the body of Christ, I'm connected to Jesus, I'm of God. Isn't that cool? Listen to this, this one has been blessing me all week long as I wrote this down in my journal on Monday or Tuesday, I'm an extension of his very person. I'm an extension of the identity of Jesus Christ. I'm an extension of his purpose, and I'm a part of him. Just as in John 15, you know, it talks, I'm, you're the branch. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then it speaks um, in Ephesians or Philippians, uh, Philippians of that we're the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm of God. And I'm inseparable from God. Now, people take this to extremes and they begin to claim divinity because they're a part of God. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just simply a part of God. Praise God without becoming God himself. He and only he will always be God. Well, what else do I know? Remember the second thing that we, we come to know is that the whole world is under the power of the evil one. Let's stop blaming God for all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. The world's under the evil is is under the power of the evil one. That's why people are acting so crazy nowadays and rioting and and losing their minds. It's crazy. There, this world is under the power of the evil one. That's why our government and our country is under such is, is in such turmoil. That's not God's fault. The world's under the power of the evil one. We need to know that. We need to come to grips with that. That's why this virus is destroying many things, including our economy. <coughs> so 
with this deep persuasion, with this deep persuasion of knowing that I'm of God and this world is under the power of the evil one, I'm going to start acting pretty different. I'm going to start seeing things pretty differently. I'm going to take a hard look at the gray areas of my life, the slippery slopes in my life, and start really questioning, do I really need to keep doing that? It may not be a no-no in the Bible, but I know for me it's a no-no because it's destroying my life. It's a gray area in my life. I don't want to wander off from Jesus. I'll tell you what, that's a scary thought. It, the Lord confronted me with this this week. Do you really wonder, want to wander off from me? <laughs> no, that terrifies me to wander off from the Lord. If I know I'm, I'm, from, I'm of God and the whole world is under the power of the evil one, also my purpose is pretty clear. I'm here to rescue other people. That's why I'm still here on earth. I need to rescue other people who don't know Jesus. I know that Jesus, thirdly, okay, this is the third thing. I know that Jesus has come into the world. And I'm so thankful the Bible reads this way. It doesn't say that Jesus came into the world. It says that he has come into the world. Present tense. He's come into the world. He's left his Holy Spirit, the very spirit of Jesus, in this world to be with me. I'm so thankful Jesus is still in this crazy world. I'm, st I'm so thankful his presence is here. His influence is here. His control is still here in this world. And you know what? He wants to use you and me to exert his control, his influence, his freeing power in schools, in workplaces, in families, in neighborhoods. He's calling us to be an extension of his person. Thank the Lord Jesus has come into this world. And you know what? He's not going to be taken out of the world until I'm taken out of the world. <laughs> Praise God. I will never be left alone in this world. He's told me he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So you know what? When Jesus leaves, I'm leaving too. Thank God. And you know what? I'll, most likely, I will leave before he leaves, <laughs> which is a comforting thought as well. Here's the fourth thing that we need to know. He has given us an understanding and insight so that we may progressively and personally know him who is true. I want to know Jesus. I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. All right? You can never get to the end of knowing God, especially in this life. Because the scripture reads, For now we see only through the reflection as in a mirror. But, but we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Praise God. So there's no end to knowing God in this life. Don't ever get to the place where you thought you think you know it all. You don't know it all. We can continue to grow in our knowledge of God. You know what? When Jesus comes back, and he sets up his physical earthly kingdom on earth during the millennial reign. And if I'm still around, you know what? Jesus is going to set up a government that controls the entire globe. 
all the states, all the governments will report to him, and he will set up his kingdom ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. And if I'm still around here in the United States, I'm going to put on my backpack, I'm going to buy a plane ticket, and I'm going to fly to Jerusalem. I'm going to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and I want to see Jesus. And you know what I'm so thrilled about? He's going to let me in to his whatever you call it, his, his hall, his throne room, and he's going to recognize me. You know why? Because I know him, and he knows me. And I don't want to waste a single solitary second of this life not knowing Jesus. Mm. Why wouldn't I just go ahead? He's going to win. He's going to be the king of heaven and earth. <laughs> he's going to conquer everything. I know him right now. <laughs> you know what? He may not be the most famous person in the world right now, although his fame does cover the whole earth. He may not be the most famous person right now, but you know what? One day he will be. <laughs> and I want to know him now, and I want to be known by him now. But the fifth thing that we, we need to know in order to reach this level six victory is that we are in him who is true. We are in him who is true. You see, if you're in him, you're not going to wander away from him because you're in him. You're secure. You're like the sheep, the proverbial sheep that's discussed in the Bible. We, we hear our master's voice, our shepherd's voice. We recognize his voice. He brings us out into pastures to feed, but in the evening he calls us back into the sheep pen and he securely fastens the door and he watches us throughout the night so that we cannot wander off. But in Matthew 18, 12, it's described as one of those sheep uh, that, you know, a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away. He wanders away from the 99 and he gets into all kinds of trouble. In 1 Timothy 6, 10, it describes what happens to the sheep. Because it says, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. I don't want, there's enough suffering in this world without me inflicting suffering on myself for being stupid and wandering away from God. I don't need an, any more trouble in my life than I already have. <laughs> and you don't either. Why would we wander away from Jesus and pierce ourselves with many griefs? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be one of those sheep. Thankfully, Jesus comes after us, uh, after us and tries to rescue us and saves us and picks us up and takes us back. But why go through that trouble? Why not stay in Jesus and not wander away from him? I struggle with distractions. I have a wandering heart that tends to chase after things or this thing or that thing. You know what remedy I need? I need level six victory. I need to know Jesus, and I need to stay in him. I stumbled across this incredible scripture. I'm going to read it through the amplified, in the Amplified Version in 1 Chronicles 28.9. I'll say it again. Read it. You will love it. It's in the weekly readings for this week. 1 Chronicles 28.9 blew me away. Here it goes. David, King David, is speaking to his son, his, who's going to succeed him as, as king, King Solomon. He says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. <laughs> 
and in other words, have a personal knowledge. Don't just know about him. Know him deeply. Be acquainted with and understand him. Appreciate him. Heed him. In other words, follow his advice. Be obedient to him. Cherish him. And serve him with a blameless heart, David goes on to say. In other words, when you follow him, we learned this several weeks ago, when you follow God, when you follow Jesus, you're blameless because you're, you're just following him and, and Jesus covers you and protects you and, and you can't get into trouble because you're following him. In other words, follow God, Solomon. He was telling him, be blameless. Live a repentant lifestyle. You know, remember David was a man after God's own heart and the reason why he was was because he had a repentant lifestyle. That's a blameless person. And he went on, David went on and says, and have a willing mind. Be available to God. All right, be a willing person. Be available to God. Listen to this though. For the Lord searches all hearts and minds and understands all the wanderings of the thoughts. <laughs> he was piecing these two things together for Solomon saying, in order to avoid wandering off, know God. Know God. And he goes on, he says, if you seek him, inquiring for and of him, and requiring him as your first and vital necessity, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. <laughs> I don't want to wander off from God and forsake God. I don't want to do that. I want to be found in God. I want to know him deeply. One other quick angle on this is in Revelations 2, 4 through 5. It's a disturbing scripture. It's disturbed me my whole life. And the reason it disturbs me is because it describes me. <laughs> Revelations 2, 4 and 5, where Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus and says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And I'm constantly measuring myself against this scripture. And I mean this sincerely. I've measured myself against this scripture probably now for 20 years. I come back to it and I say, God, are you my first love? And many times my answer is no. And I have to repent and I have to say, God, bring me back into the love that I had first. Bring me back into the love that I had first. And, and I measure this uh, I, I, I look at all of this as uh, John 15, 9 describes where Jesus says, now remain in my love. Mm -hmm. That's the first love. It's not that you say, okay, I'm going to love God harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love him with all my heart. No, you can't do it. You need God's help to love him. And how do you need God's help? Remain in his love. And you will naturally, automatically love him back. We were talking, those five things, remember, of what we need to know. We need to know that we're in him, that we are in his love. I'll tell you, I've been married to my wife for 26 years. <laughs> 26 years. And I'm more in love with my wife than I was than when we dated. You know what this means? I'm in her love. To say I'm in love means I'm in her love loving her back that's how we need to be with jesus in love with jesus in his love praise god so i want to know god so much that my heart stops wandering off out of him 
and this is level six victory. I'll finish up this, this level six victory with this one thought here. Isaiah 53, six says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How do we deal with going astray? Sheer repentance, running back to Jesus as fast as we can, coming back into his knowledge, coming back into his grace. And I want to share with you this incredible story that I've read a couple of times this week. And it's the story of this guy named Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth, and this is going to be in your weekly readings on Thursday. You'll get a text along these lines. But let me tell you the story so that you can meditate it, med- meditate on it on Thursday. It's found in several chapters in Samuel. But Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. And Jonathan was the son of the first king of Israel, King Saul. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the details, but uh, Saul was a wicked king. And unfortunately, on the same day, Jonathan and King Saul died in battle. Mephibosheth was all of five years old when his dad and his granddad died. And his nurse, his caretaker, picked up Mephibosheth and ran for their lives because they thought they were going to die. As she was running, she tripped and fell, and it injured Mephibosheth for life. Both of his legs were lame. In other words, he was crippled. Well, fast forward, um, the next king of Israel after Saul was King David. And after King David was established as king, um, he and Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, had been best friends. And they had made an oath to each other, a promise to each other, that they would always look out for each other's interests. And so David um, began to inquire, is there anybody of Jonathan's family that's still alive? And sure enough, Mephibosheth, who is now uh, old enough to have had his, a family, uh, was, came onto the radar, uh, came onto David's radar. And so um, King David had um, this guy named Ziba come into his, his kingly court there. And Ziba was the one that told King David about Mephibosheth. Now, Ziba was the uh, was the caretaker uh, of Saul when he was king. So at one point he'd been, uh, had a lot of responsibility. And David said to Ziba, well, bring in Mephibosheth. So he brought him in, brought him into his throne room. And King David said to Mephibosheth, I'm going to restore to you all the land that your grandfather Saul had. Well, that was a lot of land. In other words, I'm going to make you instantly wealthy. And furthermore, I want you to come sit at my table every time we eat. Now, David had many sons and daughters. He said, I want you to sit here with my family, and I'm gonna, I want you to eat at my table, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, and so sure enough, Mephibosheth moved from uh, this place called Lo, Loami, I believe I'm Lorami, I believe is what it's called. But anyways, Lorami was the ghetto part of Jerusalem. It was a part of Jerusalem where no affluent person lived. And here Mephibosheth moved from the ghetto into the king's court and was restored all this land. Well, every day at lunchtime, at breakfast, all the kingly uh, sons and daughters of David would sit in their princely robes 
and in would you could hear the the scooting of Mephibosheth's uh, feet as he made it his way into the uh, into the room there to eat along with the the king's sons and daughters. Well, fast forward many years later, um, one of David's sons, Absalom, uh, began to uh, revolt against his father, and David, King David, left Jerusalem as Absalom, his son, was entering Jerusalem. And sadly enough, Mephibosheth stayed in Jerusalem with the thought that he could become king. After all that David had done, after all that David had done for him, there was Mephibosheth staying in the palace hoping that possibly the Israelites would make him king. Isn't that how you and I are? God gives us, he blesses us, he pours out his grace on us, and then we take advantage of his grace. And we try to do something to make ourselves look, look good, just like, Mephibosheth, just like Mephibosheth did. I encourage you, go be so in love with God that you can't be in love with this world. Don't, don't turn your back on God for any reason whatsoever. Because when David returned to Jerusalem, he came to Mephibosheth and he asked this incredible question in, in 2 Samuel 19.25. He said, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? <laughs> why didn't you go with me? And I don't want Jesus to ask me that question someday. Steve, why didn't you go with me? When I moved, why didn't you move? When, when, I, when I went somewhere, why didn't you come with me? Why did you stay back and hope that somehow you'd make a name for yourself? Isn't that all of us, the story of Mephibosheth? Well, I know we have a little bit more ground to cover with victory, uh, seven, level seven victory in verse 21, and I'll cover it quickly. In, uh, we're, we're back in 1 John 5, verse 21. It says, little children, believers, dear ones, guard yourselves from idols guard yourselves from idols that's anything that would take the place of god in your heart level seven victory is this it comes when you cast down the idol loves in your life everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of god that's level seven victory i have such a long ways to go here and i'm sure you do as well but god wants us to get there in second corinthians 10.5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient unto Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And that's why the Apostle Paul similarly wrote in Philippians 3.8, he said, what is more, I consider everything a loss. In other words, all my idols, I consider them a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. What things? My idol loves. I've lost them. I've gotten rid of them. I've cast them down. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You know, my delights, my giddy highs, my addictions, my obsessions, all of these are like eating a rich cake and then getting so sick that night that you throw it all up afterwards. It's not going to do you an ounce of good. Recently, I was working on something that was uh, really excessively thrilling me, and I went to bed that night and I confessed to the Lord. I said, man, this experience is intoxicating. And the Spirit replied back to me, then stop drinking from this experience. 
We've got to get rid of our idle loves, the things that gives us these temporary highs. Idols for Christians in many cases are gray areas. They aren't anything that's really wrong or you know, condemned in the Bible. But just because it's not in the Bible is something wrong. If it's sitting on the throne of your heart, it is wrong. And we need to dethrone it. In fact, sometimes we need to dethrone things before we can enthrone Jesus. We have to get rid of what's on the throne of our lives. That's why in 1 Peter 3.15 it says, But set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. That's setting him as Lord and Savior. So let's, but we can also think beyond our personal idols and go back to the 2 Corinthians 10.5 that I just read to you and, and, and begin to tear down the things in our nation that setting themselves up against the knowledge of God through prayer, through intercession, begin to tear down idols in our nation, entertainment idols, political idols, addictions, you know, addictive idols, all those things that's tearing our nation apart is through prayer and intercession go and begin to pull down those idol loves that's in our nation. But that victory first has to come in our lives. Levels victory of one through six comes first before we can begin to tear down the idols in other people's lives and make warfare that way. That's why in Mark 3.27 it says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. And that's saying, get your house in order first before you start worrying too much about other people and, and the idols that they're serving. So you can't dislodge or bind an idol in someone else until you've dislodged and bound the idols in your own life. Well, that kind of wraps it up for these seven levels of victory, and I'd like us to really think about them. Let me go over them just one more time. All of these found in 1 John 5. Level 1 victory begins when you're born again. Level 2 victory be begins when you accept God's testimony given to you over what other people say or think. Level 3 victory happens when you realize your eternal life makes you fearless. Level 4 victory is when you finally know God's will and it gives you an unshakable confidence when you pray. Level 5 victory comes when you realize your sin as a Christian does not lead to death, shame, or condemnation for you. Level 6 victory is when you know Jesus and because of what you know of Him, your, your heart stops wandering away from Him. And level seven, 7 victory comes when you cast down the idle loves in your life and you begin to set Jesus up on the throne of your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for your, your gracious and powerful word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, because your word is sharper than any double-edged sword, and your spirit brings the power of the word into life within our hearts and in our minds, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that we take very seriously the fact that you want us to be victorious. You don't want us to live a defeated life. But Lord God, it takes knowing Jesus Christ, the ultimate victor, the, the ultimate winner, Lord God, in associating ourselves with you. How can we win if we're not associated with winners, Lord God, and in this case, with the winner? Lord, we tell our children, make, you know, be careful who you hang out with because whoever you hang out with, you'll become just like them. 
Lord, if we'll associate ourselves with you, we'll become like you. We'll become victorious. We'll become mighty in, in, in battle. Lord Jesus, we'll rout those spiritual forces uh, that are trying to ruin our country, ruin our families, Lord, ruin our city, Heavenly Father. Lord, help us to associate ourselves with you and get to know you more and more deeply, Lord, every day. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.